The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Hello and welcome to Voices. I'm Cynthia Chaplin and today I am delighted to welcome Ariana Suchia all the way from Hawaii. She became a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers in 2016 and she has continued racking up her qualifications since then, finally being named one of the wine enthusiasts Future 40 in 2022, so just this year. She's currently the director of beverage at G Lion Hawaii Hotel, and she's on the board of directors at the Aloha Wine Foundation, which I'm very curious to talk about. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I definitely, um, I was able to browse the podcast and now I would say I'm an avid listener and fan. So thank you. Oh, I'm so pleased about that. Great. Well, there we go. I need more uh, connections all around the world. I like having people everywhere. So thank you for that. Whenever you want to come to my side of the pond, Hawaii is waiting for you. (laughs) I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled. I used to get to California quite a lot before COVID, but I've never been as far west as Hawaii. So I'm going to put that on my bucket list and I'm going to come out and see you. Wonderful, wonderful. So I've I've read that you found your passion for wine in Tuscany. What were you doing in Italy and how did you find your way into the wine world and, and into Italian wines and now you're still back in Hawaii? What happened? So speaking of warm weathered places, I grew up born and raised in Hawaii, but I went to my undergraduate studies at the University of Miami. So I went from Hawaii to Miami, and in Miami, I was able, I was fortunate enough to do a study abroad program um, in the American University in Rome. So I was in Rome for about six months, and it was my first time living abroad, um, and it was my first time in Europe. That's so funny, because I taught wine there for three years. Oh, wow! (laughs) (laughs) Funny how it all connects. The world is large, but it's not that big in some cases. Exactly. For me, it was just, you know, being a little island girl, but getting to truly experience the world for the first time. So I was definitely, I definitely had my eyes open. I was working in the restaurant already. I worked um, all my way through college in the restaurant industry. However, I never truly experienced what it was to partake in food and beverage in its full extent. Where does our food come from? Where does our wine come from? 
And so for me, it wasn't just about being in Rome and having access to vineyards in Tuscany, as much as it was the eye-opening experience of being able to go down the street to your local farmer's market, perhaps, and really get a true tomato, get true cheese, and create something at home that you feel connected to the food. So that was my first real expression of being in Italy and having connection to what I'm eating and what I'm drinking. So while I was in Rome, I also discovered that we could do fun field trips. So I started going um, and we went to Tuscany and we were able to just be through the hills, uh, the rolling Tuscan hills. And it was one of the most um, eye-opening experiences for me, seeing how passionate the vineyard caretakers were, how passionate the winemakers were. And that little bug, that wine bug stayed with me all the way from when I went back to University of Miami after my abroad uh, semester was finished. And I always loved wine and I kept studying it, studying it, studying it. After I graduated, I was going to actually just pursue a typical office nine to five career. But having worked in the restaurant industry my whole life and really enjoying what I was studying with wine, there's a part of me that really dreamt of being a sommelier. So there's one day I packed up, moved from the mainland, moved back home, um, for, uh, came back to Honolulu and applied to be a bar back at Alan Wong's, which is one of Honolulu's fine dining restaurants at the time. And I started my way up until I became the sommelier there at uh, Alan Wong's. That's It's so funny because I think so many of us who are in wine started off um, you know, in the hospitality industry in one way or another, often in a restaurant. And as you said, you started at Alan Wong's as, as a bar porter, which is sort of the most humble start. Um, and how did your journey progress on from there? Because clearly you had the drive, you had the wine bug, as you said. So um, once you were at Alan Wong's, how did you get going with, with more sort of active engagement with wine? Yeah, so it was definitely an experience telling my for example, grandparents, your college-educated granddaughter is going to, you know, not pursue her degree and come home to be a barback for all intents and purposes. I told them, oh, I want to be a sommelier. And they were very questioning. They're like, what is that? I'm like someone who drinks wine or studies wine. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> but they were supportive nonetheless. <laughs> so I had some family support in at least encouraging me to go for my dreams. So coming back to Honolulu, it was definitely from the ground up. And I took with me there some of the biggest life lessons that I think that extend far beyond just working in wine and working in restaurants, but really how I apply my life. I had a really great wine mentor, two actually really great wine mentors there, Mark Shishido. He was the beverage director for Alan Wong's at the time in Honolulu. And he was actually one of the original people who passed their advanced exam for the Court of Master Sommeliers, not just for Hawaii, but nationwide. And his friend and mentor was Chuck Furia, who was oh, right. yeah, the first um, Asian American um, Master Sommelier to pass. So between Mark and Chuck, who was friends with him in tandem, I got exposed to this real big, I went from zero to 100 real quick in opportunities, which I'm forever grateful for. 
I also got to meet um, Nicole Ortega, who was a sommelier at the time. So she worked in a bunch of San Francisco restaurants. So coming into Hawaii, she was also bringing with her a caliber that I was so lucky to witness because she was so well-versed. She was so worldly. She was well-traveled. So I was over there polishing glasses, just literally picking their brains every day. And this was literally as much as I've worked in the restaurant industry since I was um, a teenager, I was still learning wine from scratch. So I can actually say that my husband, he was a server at the time at Alan Wong's. So he likes to always add in that he was at one point in time, much more wine savvy and knowledgeable (laughs) than I was. Because when I first started as a barback, I couldn't tell you um, how to pronounce you know, French regions, French grapes. I don't even think I knew the difference between Pinot Grigio and Pinot Noir, to be honest. I was just coming in blank slate. Um, I knew that I liked Malbec because I was from Miami and there was a lot of Malbec getting poured in Miami. And that's pretty much it. I couldn't tell you the wine of Chablis. I just knew that I liked wine. I knew that I had a lot of Sangiovese in Tuscany and I liked it. But I was really exploring the world with fresh eyes and asking a lot of different questions. And that was my favorite part because always being curious and always continuing to ask questions are is the part of what I like most about being a sommelier because every time I meet a fellow wine director or I meet a winemaker, I get to see through their lens, what their philosophies are, how they approach wine. And I feel like it keeps building and building. And that for me is one of the most fun parts about being in our industry. It's so great. I I love hearing from people like you, because let's face it, you're still a young person. (laughs) But being able to sort of recount your story as being a blank slate, you know, with fresh eyes and asking questions, that's one of my favorite things about, you know, what I do in my career, you know, a lot of which is education and, and writing and things and informing people and sharing knowledge. So it's great that you understood that opportunity of having Mark Shishido and, and Chuck Feria there to, you know, to pick their brain. As you said, that's, you know, a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't get what a golden opportunity that was, but you obviously did. And since then, you've been involved in some really interesting things like the Chandler-Rutissier Young Psalm competition in 2017 and 2018, and the Young Leader Summit at SOMCOM in 2018. So how did you move from Alan Wong and being your blank slate self and getting involved with these events. And what happened next? How did those experiences shape you and motivate you? Absolutely. So I think as as much as being humble and curious are really my driving forces there, there's always going to be in the restaurant industry just a little sprinkle of friendly competition. And there's always going to be when you're... Just a little sprinkle? I don't know what restaurants you were working in. (laughs) Just a little sprinkle. (laughs) So for me, I've always been a little bit more of a competitive person. And being in this industry, it's so active. It's so engaging, really. You have to truly keep going. There's a lot of momentum built with working in the restaurant industry. So once I started going, I just truly felt I couldn't stop. And it was a lot of fun. Um, For the Shane, um, I got to meet some of my current best friends in the wine world through that competition. So for both 17 and 18, um, I competed in the regionals against Toro Kurobe and Michael Winterbottom. And after that initial meeting and 
competition, we actually became best friends. And we started meeting every Monday at 9 a.m. at a little coffee shop breakfast spot. And at the time, none of us were wine directors. We were just sommeliers, servers. We were just trying to make it work in our way and solidify some camaraderie. There's not a lot of young sommeliers. There's kind of a bridge in, there's a big gap in generations for Hawaii because you're seeing the Mark Shishidos of the world, the Chuck Furias, Kevin Toyama from Hale Kulani, uh, my father-in-law, Richard Field. They were all this amazing generation in the 90s and early 2000s. And there was a couple sommeliers along the way, but there wasn't as much of a network like they had until recently. And that's a really exciting time to be in. So one of the biggest things I got was this ability to, we need to foster a community. So I was able to start this study group with the three of us, and then we just kept adding more people. And then in 2018, um, I competed against Sang Mun, who at the time, he was working at ABC stores and restaurants, and then he moved to Pacific Club. And he's one of my best friends to this day as well. So we just kept building and building this community, which was one of my personal favorite parts um, moving forward into restaurants because it's all about people. And then with the Young Leaders Summit and SOMCON in 2018, um, I was able to expand that network. And actually, I applied for a scholarship and I received it to be a young leader. So I got to travel to Washington, D.C. And that was a really amazing opportunity to be able to take those um, people connection skills and apply it to the other coast. It was nice. I missed the East Coast in um, some respects. So being there, but with a new version of me that was so passionate about wine was really, really fun. I had visited Washington, D.C. a good amount of time when I was in Miami, but it was really fun to kind of take it on in this new chapter of myself. And I just love wine because of the ability to travel and I would encourage other young sommeliers, servers who are starting out in this industry to always be present in your network. And uh, Taru Kurobe, who was one of my best friends from the competition, he was actually someone that also recommended to me to, you know, hey, keep going on Sound Foundation, keep trying to find enrichment trips. One of my friends through the industry, Chris Ramel, he recommended me for a Washington wine trip. So I was able to go on that. So Keep building your network, keep moving forward, and keep paying all those opportunities forward to others as well. So after I went to Washington... I think that's amazing. Yeah, I was able to recommend someone else to go to Washington. So keep paying it forward. Yeah, and, and it is it is really so sort of reaffirming it, how welcoming the wine world can be once you you know put yourself out there and you take some risks and you make some friends... Um, the community is, it, you know, it can feel quite exclusive and and um, closed. But once you've really made that effort to to get in, it's wonderful how you do meet these people who inspire you and take you forward. So, you know, you've you've moved on from all of that, from your scholarship, from your competitions, and you became a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers. Um, and you were a manager at Royal Hawaiian Hotel. And now you're the beverage director at G-Lion. So what's an average day in your life like now? Well, good part of being in the restaurant industry is the fact that I wasn't going to do a typical nine to five office job for myself because I like to kind of keep moving. So the beautiful part is that every day is very different. 
Um, I work with different employees. Um, with specifically G Lion, we have three restaurants currently. We have High's Steakhouse, which is a restaurant that's been there for 46 years and right in the heart of Waikiki. Um, so that's a very beautiful, beautiful restaurant that has a lot of traditional elements such as tableside service on Giridons. We serve beef wellingtons. It's just a very fun, traditional environment. And then at the Ritz-Carlton Waikiki, we have two amazing restaurants. We have Kiora, which is an Italian concept. And we have La Vie, which is our French-inspired concept that features coursed menus. So it's very fun. So you're going back and forth between all three of these. Literally back and forth. There are days where I will start with a meeting at High's Waikiki, and then I'll go to the Ritz-Carlton for a meeting, and then I'll be the closing manager sometimes, and I'll go back at High's. So it's really back and forth, but it keeps me on my toes. It definitely keeps me active. I get my steps in for the day. <laughs> but I love it. I really, really do. And honestly, it would be different um, if I didn't feel so connected to my employees and my team. But I just feel like every time I step into any of the restaurants, I'm really walking into a different version of my family. So the team over at Highs, they're old school. They have been around the block and I love them for it. And they are immaculate professionals on the floor with how they approach service. But the energy is so different when I walk into somewhere like La Vie, where we have a little bit of a younger staff, but everyone is so curious. Everyone wants to learn. And for me, a beautiful part of being the beverage director and being able to work with all these different properties is I get to know the team, get to know their personalities, the image of what the restaurant truly is, and parlay that into the wine list. So for example, at High Steakhouse, a big portion of my job is going to be allocating really prominent traditional bottles, making sure that people have their Cabernet Sauvignon with their steak, but also making sure they have Bordeaux if they want to try something a little bit earthy. And I can turn people on to Super Tuscans. I can turn people on. Exactly. To, yeah. Things that are outside of the Napa Cabernet Sauvignon route, although I have it, I like to still create those little gateways for exploration. And then with somewhere like La Vie, we are all about wine pairings. We are all about being innovative and constantly pushing the boundaries of what French is, using French wine sometimes, but also thinking out of the box. Maybe it's a Gruner Veltliner that truly works better with this dish. So we'll play around that way. So it's very fun, very different, but I love it all. Oh, you're so in my wheelhouse. I love taking Italian wines and different wines, pairing them with other foods of other cultures. But um, I, I want to get down to your outreach work because I know you're doing a lot of supporting and mentoring. You know, you said you want to pay it forward um, and you're working with some really interesting organizations. So tell me about Aloha Wine Foundation. I know the mission is to unite, educate, and inspire the Hawaii sommelier community. So what are you doing there? How did this happen? Because this is, this is a big deal. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show.
it's been such an amazing journey, like I said. And along the way, um, another one of my main support systems has been Master Sommelier um, Patrick Okubo. And he works for RNDC at the moment. And he has just been this driving force, almost single-handedly up until this point, for really getting this younger generation to connect, really getting this younger generation to foster that community. So it was his idea during the pandemic. Um, he reached out to me. We had brunch one day and he told me this amazing idea he had to actually make a foundation for it. And I was like, don't say a word. Sign me up. Whatever you need, I'll be there. So I became a founding board member with a concentration in the marketing and public relations area. And together with um, our other board members and team, we were able to create events, which was a little hard during the pandemic. We had to get kind of creative, but we were able to create events that were able to generate enough um, fundraising initiatives where we could actually fund sommeliers for their sommelier journey. A lot of the times, as much as the restaurant industry, you have such stable careers there. When you're just starting out, perhaps you're a busser, perhaps you're a barback like I was back in the day. You don't necessarily have a lot of disposable income for wine training, for actually pursuing the exams, for flying up to take the exams. So we just wanted to create a support system where, hey, dream, do it inspire yourself, inspire others. It's all for a good cause. So we created these um, scholarships that would allow them to grow. And it was very, very exciting for me because at the time, I was also doing a mini study group for G-Lion. So I had um, some members from Highs, I had some members from Levy, from Kiora, and we put them together and we just did weekly wine study sessions for education. And Two of my girls who, at the time when I was studying to be a sommelier, there weren't a lot of women in Honolulu. So there, it was really important for me that I had two girls who are young. They're in their early 20s. They wanted to pursue the certification. So they applied for our actual scholarships and they were able to receive it. But not only that, um, my company, seeing those initiatives being done and wanting to help support we ran a scholarship campaign for the months of June, July, and August, where a portion of all the proceeds from this campaign actually paid it forward into the scholarship as well. So I was able to contribute not just in my nonprofit, but also through my daily work and being able to generate funds for the foundation. So that was really special to me. And then G-Lion, recognizing how important this whole process was for me, as well as the girls, um, after they passed their intro level exam, G-Lion took it upon themselves to send me and three of my young sommeliers, or newly budded sommeliers, um, to Napa. And I was able to show them for the first time Napa. And they saw their vineyards for the first time. I got to introduce them to Bruce Nyers and Tadea Bouchard and Fred Scher and some of like my really, truly favorite icons and I think titans in the wine industry. So that for me was a really special experience. That's so cool. How many women, you know, sommeliers, women in wine are there in Hawaii? I mean, you sort of alluded to the fact that there aren't many, but it sounds like you're you're recruiting more. But in general, you know, out of 100% of people working in wine, what's the percentage of women in Hawaii? So when I was first starting out, 
I would go to tastings for the industry and I would be the only woman. In terms of, <laughs> it was definitely um, a grow up kid moment because you don't have necessarily as much wiggle room or freedom being the young kid on the block, let alone the only girl at the table. So there's definitely buck up moments where you need to feel confident in yourself and try your best. And at the end of the day, it always goes back to the idea of just be curious. It doesn't hurt to ask questions. Take these opportunities to truly learn because that's what it's all about. So it's not about what you know. It's just being confident in who you are and asking questions to better yourself. And that's just what I did every time I went. And luckily, people like Chris Ramel, Patrick Okubo, Mark Shishido, Chuck, all these people have been so supportive of not me because I'm a woman, but they're just supportive of me. And they just saw me for who I am, regardless of gender. So that really felt like an amazing opportunity. I'm not going to lie, every day working in the restaurants, it's hard. There's guests that question you. They ask, aren't you a hostess? Like They question a lot about what what are you doing here, little girl types of things. But it's just about moving forward. <laughs> oh, it's so depressing, still going on. But yep, I mean, your attitude is so positive. Uh, that's that's amazing. Well, it, it definitely, you need to keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> I hired an assistant manager who's a young female for highs as well. And she faces the same thing. And I'm like, you know what? It's not going to end with me and it's not going to end with you, this type of behavior. But it's what we do about it. And we just keep moving. So absolutely. I mean, I work in an old world country. And, uh, you know, it's very patriarchal, male dominated wine society in Italy for thousands of years. So I'm a foreigner and a woman. And yeah, it's very interesting, these things. But it is a little depressing to hear it's still going on, especially in the States and sort of more progressive and liberal places like Hawaii. But I'm glad to hear that you are sort of just gently getting on with it, pushing back, hiring women. These things are super important. Mm -hmm. And and I know that, you know, the, the people you work with at Aloha Wine Foundation are pretty cool about this as well, creating more diversity and inclusion in gender and race and bringing the Hawaiian industry forward. And I read a quote from the founder of um, Aloha Wine Foundation that said um, the industry in Hawaii overcomes the geographical challenges of being on an island. You know, it, it helps people fight against those challenges. And I'm just wondering, you know, what are some of those challenges? I mean, I can imagine, but I'd love to hear from you. What are those challenges? How are people in Hawaii finding their way into the wine world, you know, if they don't have you to help them, because obviously you're clearly very helpful. But what does it require, you know, to be successful in the wine industry if you're in Hawaii and, you know, you're a young person just thinking, hey, I'd like to get into that. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, to transition from our previous question as well, the idea of uh, connecting with women. So through the foundation and through Patrick Okubo, he was actually able to connect me with a female sommelier, Lynn, who um, is currently working. Um, she's from the mainland. She's from California, but she is living and working as a sommelier on Maui now. And I never would have been able to meet Lynn if it wasn't for this community, this network, this foundation that created opportunities for us to get together and meet in person. So I would say the literal physical <laughs> idea of there's an ocean in between us creates it 
a little bit of a divide. There's a little bit of a competitive edge between Oahu sommeliers and Maui sommeliers. But at the end of the day, it's a friendly competition. And we're definitely trying to help bolster our full network and, you know, keep those friendships moving forward so that, hey, if people decide to ever move to the mainland one day, we have this network, this community that is able to help with hey, I think that you should go work at this winery or, oh, you should go check out this restaurant and things like that. So it's definitely about who you know in terms of the day-to-day challenges of being a buyer in Hawaii. um, I definitely try to make sure that I have the correct sourcing. I really think it's important for things to be temperature controlled um, coming into the state. I definitely think that it's important to keep Hawaii on the map. You know, Back in the 90s, early 2000s, they used to have this joke about, oh, the best meal that you'll ever get in Hawaii is the one you're getting on the plane on the uh, way over, which is simply not true. That's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Chef Alan Wong, um, Chef Roy Yamaguchi, they really pioneered along with other Hawaii regional cuisine chefs. Um, this idea of, hey, Hawaii has something to offer here. We have something in this food and beverage industry. And they really championed it in the 90s. And now I feel like with wine, it's my job to take over that mantle, um, pass me the baton because we need to keep moving and keep changing what people's perception of what Hawaii truly is. A lot of times people will come in and as much as I love, you know, Cheesecake Factory or Olive Garden, I want people that come into Waikiki to know that there are different restaurants. They are family-owned restaurants. They are restaurants doing good work restaurants. And we have interesting different types of food that you can't get anywhere else. And also pairing with those foods is pretty cool. It's interesting what you said about the islands too, because I think people who don't live in Hawaii or haven't been there don't really realize the distance between the islands and and they're not all that near. You can't just jump over, um, you know, or paddle your surfboard to the other island. It's, It's more complicated than that. But You've got so much going on with food as well. It's it's very cool to hear, you know, how how you see this going forward as becoming much more of a, you know, a gastroenology sort of tourist destination than it is at the moment. I think changing that perception is is a really cool goal to have. Um, I, I know you've also been working with Dream Big Darling, so I just want to chat about that for a second because it's similar to. Um, Aloha Wine Foundation, but a little bit more far reaching. So what's your role with Dream Big Darling? And what is it? Because a lot of our listeners won't know what it is. So Dream Big Darling is a very special organization um, created by Amanda Wittstrom Higgins. And I got the amazing opportunity to meet Amanda um, in Paso Robles. Um, In 2019, as well as 2020, um, I traveled to Paso Robles Firstly, on Chuck's suggestion, Chuck Furia was doing an amazing wine speak um, event in Paso Robles, where his idea of the event was bringing together people from within the region of Paso and also bringing in people from outside. So from Spain, from Italy, from France, from different places in California, from Napa, bringing them all together to have just a candid amazing panel and conversation about wine. For that actual event, they did do uh, Dream Big Darling, which encourages women and females in the beverage industry 
to create and foster networks. Um, they had a scholarship at the time. So I, of course, you know, being me always on the move, looking for different opportunities, I researched Dream Big Darling. Um, Chuck recommended it to me, and I was so grateful enough to receive a scholarship after submitting a little video and bio about myself. And they're, they totally um, comped. I had a scholarship. I was able to attend the Wine Speak seminars, which was this amazing learning opportunity for myself. So Amanda was not just the uh, founding mother of Dream Big Darling, but she also worked with Chuck to collaborate this Wine Speak event. So as a part of Dream Big Darling, I was able to actually see the behind the scenes of all the work that gets put into the event. And I really was inspired by Amanda herself and her work ethic, but also her kindness. The reason why she named her organization Dream Big Darling is because her grandmother would always tell her that growing up. So it's a very special organization. And the sisters that I got to meet in Dream Big Darling are so motivated. They're so ambitious. One of the Dream Big Darling um, girls is also in the Wine Enthusiast 40 Under 40. So we're doing things. We're out there. We're supporting each other. And then the following year during the pandemic, we had a virtual retreat, which was really amazing, where we got to actually engage with all of each other, um, all of ourselves on Zoom. And we did fun activities. And we talked about what it's like being a woman in such a male-dominated industry. We encouraged each other. We did dream boards. Um, Amanda always encourages us to dream big. So whatever dream you're thinking of, times that by 10 and shoot for that. Because you need to keep going. Dream bigger than yourself. And so often, being a woman... Well, the world is going to try to shrink your dreams. So it's always important to keep expanding and keep growing your own dreams. So that, those were really amazing le- life lessons that I learned from Amanda and her organization. That's such a cool ethos, too. It's a very forward-thinking approach. I have four daughters, so I, I am always trying to encourage young women. And I think having somebody who really gets that, and as you said, take your dream, times it by 10, and uh, and will support you. I think that's an amazing um, philosophy to, to have a foundation built upon. So I'm really happy that you're working with them through that. And you've opened the door to me because you brought up the uh, wine enthusiasts future 40 or, you know, what it used to be called 40 under 40. So do you mind if I ask how old you actually are? So I am 30 years old. It feels like I've been... <laughs> oh my God, I could cry. I could just cry, Ariana. You've you've accomplished so much. This is so inspiring. You're You're already enjoying like great success in the industry that you chose for yourself, even though your grandparents might have been a little bit gobsmacked by that choice. They understand more now and they're super happy that I made my decision, but yes. And I hope you're I hope you're giving them great wine too so that they, they know what you're doing. Absolutely. So so what are your dreams now? You've you know you've got your whole life in front of you. Um, what are the goals for the near future and, and the far future? You're you're involved in so many important things. You've got a very high flying job. You're clearly working very hard, as you said, you know, always being you applying for scholarships and learning more and more as you go, which I love. Um, I love a student. I'm still a student very late in life. What are you what are you dreaming of? What are the goals coming up? I think in the theme of paying it forward, I've been given so many opportunities that I feel so blessed for that I definitely want to make sure that along the path, along the way, I'm able to keep giving back 
So um, uh, luckily with Aloha Wine Foundation, every year we try to have a Psalm Summit in which we actually, you know, take all the sommeliers in the community, create seminars, create learning experiences. And luckily, Patrick Okubo was able to inspire myself to help foster a women-led day out of the Psalm Summit, where we'll have panels centered around women and how we can be more encouraging and more diverse and more inclusive. So I want to keep doing initiatives like that for my community, keep looking for young, bright stars, young gems out in the industry that all they need is a chance. So that's going to be my mission and my promise moving forward. And then for myself, I've really discovered through the pandemic how much I love working the restaurant. It will always be in my heart and soul. But at the end of the day, one of my favorite passions about wine is the ability to tell stories. So I definitely want to keep pursuing um, podcasts, such as this lovely one like yourself. I'm so honored and blessed to be speaking with you today. Uh, Chuck Furia also has a YouTube series that I want to keep helping him work on and just look for different innovative outlets to share these stories. Um, maybe through visual media, maybe it's through making videos, or maybe it's through, I don't know yet what the world has in store, but I want to keep pushing forward and get wine to a wider audience. You know, my generation, it's all about maybe beers and mixology, the new IPA at the moment. But one of my jobs as a sommelier is to break down barriers to wine and make it more inclusive so that everyone can enjoy wine and there's no intimidation involved. So I just want to keep telling that same story in different modes and means. Well, you are totally singing my song. Um, that's, that is my, my utter goal as a teacher, as a podcaster, as a presenter, um, you know, as a writer in wine, all of those things, everything I do in wine is about breaking down barriers and, and making a longer and longer table. So I wish you incredibly well. I'm going to have to talk to you about Vinitaly International Academy because I think you need to come to Italy and do some more studying. But uh, Oh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> it has just been an incredible pleasure having you on. And I really thank you for taking your time out of your day. Thank you so much for coming on. Good luck with the future. Mahalo. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, and remember to tune in next Wednesday when I'll be chatting with another fascinating guest. Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with a daily show. Tune in every day and discover all our different shows. You can find us at italianwinepodcast.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Himalaya, or wherever you get your pods.